regards to regulatory arbitrage, I think it's still viable at this point, particularly crypto-related licenses. Uh, there are very few countries right now that really provide a clear and comprehensive legal framework on virtual asset service providers. Welcome to Consensus Distributed from Coindesk, where you'll find live recorded talks and discussions from Coindesk events and more. Today's talk was recorded live at Coindesk Distributed on May 11, 2020. This episode is sponsored by ErisX, the Stellar Development Foundation, and Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund. In this session, guests Jason Chi, a former Taiwanese legislator, and Jonathan Long of Bitsy explain how regulatory arbitrage may be changing in the wake of FATF recommendations. This session is hosted by Jung-Hang Lee of Gopax and Che Wan Pak from Zangle. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Consensus Capital Control Asia Edition um, Regulatory Arbitrage is a Still Viable Session. Uh, my name is Jun-Hang Lee once again. Uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Gopax, one of the leading Korean exchanges. And here with me is Che Wan from Zangle. Yes. Oh, great to be here again. I'm Che Wan from Zangle, the, the global disclosure platform. So um, we'll be the moderator of um, this very important, like very interesting session. I think this could may well be the most interesting session of the entire event. Um, so before we begin and jump with the questions, uh, let me uh, let's let's go a round of intros, uh, starting from um, Jason. Uh, my name is Jason Shi. I am the former legislator and a member of uh, Parliament from Taiwan. Uh, when I was a, a congressman, I focused on cryptocurrency, uh, blockchain, and uh, progressive legislations on decentralized uh, technology um, platform. And now I'm serving as a senior advisor to Center for uh, Strategic Cyberspace and International Studies. And still remaining very active in the crypto space, advising government on CBDC and uh, several other uh, central banks' digital currency strategies. Wonderful. Um, Jonathan, would you also give an intro to yourself? Of yourself? Yeah, I'm Jonathan, a CEO and co-founder of BTSE Bitsy. Uh, we're a financial tech company that leverages on um, uh, Bitcoin and other blockchain technologies to create uh, real-world products. Uh, we have multiple verticals that don't just include an exchange. We do OTC, uh, investment services, uh, payment services, uh, and so on. Terrific. Uh, we have a, a very wonderful guest um, panel uh, to address this uh, question on regulatory arbitrage. So before we go on, uh, the regulatory arbitrage uh, by Investopedia definition is a corporate practice of utilizing more favorable laws in one jurisdiction to circumvent less favorable regulation elsewhere. So I guess the foremost example of regulatory arbitrage would be, um, say, um, you know, Perpetual Futures um, 100x product. That, that product is not uh, quite legal in, in, in my jurisdiction, South Korea, but it could be also, but uh, there are definitely not, no law against it. So a lot of users are trading that product in Korea. Um, so the first question to both of you would, is if the regulatory arbitrage, this will last, um, is it still viable? And if so, how long? If, if not, why? Uh, why don't we start with um, Jason? 
Yeah, uh, well, regulatory arbitrage has been a common practice for the last uh, five years or so since sort of ICO became the, the uh, kind of um, uh, mainstream activities in the crypto space. However, I do see countries that are getting tighter and tighter on the uh, regulations in terms of uh, issuance and the trading of the crypto, and particularly around some of the uh, um, uh, high-level government uh, agencies, such as, and particularly those uh, for the uh, trans-jurisdictional agencies that are looking at how to regulate the uh, uh, crypto. Uh, countries such as uh, Argentina or uh, less economically viable countries like Venezuela uh, obviously try to bypass the traditional fiat uh, crypto, uh, fiat to crypto or crypto to crypto um, current currency regulations. But we also see uh, other countries such as uh, China coming out with its own uh, digital payments uh, solutions. And compared with the U.S., who is still rather slow and uh, sort of um, uh, uh, indecisive as to how they would approach such a uh, form of transaction. Um, and so I think I would say going forward, particularly in the year 2000 and 2020, we'll see a brighter um, uh, landscape in terms of uh, regulatory clarity. Countries will be compelled to come together to discuss what type of uh, regulations are needed in order for this industry to uh, sustain in the long run. And also actors and uh, practitioners or institutions that are uh, wanting to get into the space must develop a very thorough uh, regulatory complain, uh, um, com uh, compliance strategy and to implement significant amount of uh, resources and, uh, and manpower to develop this type of strategy. So I, I would um, uh, predict uh, this year with a Bitcoin uh, halving and as well as China coming out with DCEP, its own version of uh, digital currency, and Libra pivoting to a stablecoin uh, 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 platform, uh, we'll see more regulatory clarity. Gotcha. Um, how, how, how do you think, Jonathan? Um, well, in regards to regulatory arbitrage, I think it's still viable at this point, uh, particularly uh, relating to um, crypto-related licenses. Uh, there are very few countries right now that really provide a clear and comprehensive legal framework on um, uh, virtual asset service providers, right? Hence, you have this gap. Um, but that being said, I do see this window closing slowly uh, with other recommendations coming into play this year. Uh, it will actually be interesting to see how the uh, key exchanges around the world start to implement them. Thank you. Thank you for the insights. Support for this podcast and this message come from ErisX. With ErisX, you can trade spot and regulated futures on cryptocurrencies through a licensed U.S.-based exchange. ErisX believes in fair access for all. 
Sign up today to take advantage of zero fees and learn more at erisx.com slash consensus. This episode is also sponsored by the Stellar Foundation. The Stellar Network connects your business to the global financial infrastructure. Whether you're looking to power a payment application or issue digital assets like stablecoins or digital dollars, Stellar is easy to learn and fast to implement. Start your journey today at stellar.org slash coindesk. Our final sponsor is Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund. In times like these, diversification is key. Consider Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund, ticker symbol GDLC. It's the only publicly traded investment product that offers diversified exposure to large cap digital currencies, all from your brokerage account. For more information, visit grayscale.co slash coindesk. That's G-R-A-Y scale dot C-O slash coindesk. As Jonathan says that the windows is closing slowly, and as Jason said that the uh, countries are collaborating to make some strategies to cooperate uh, to get some regulatory things. So if you believe uh, regulatory arbitrage is going to disappear in the future, how would jurisdiction enforce the law against a global foreign player uh, taking advantage of the arbitrage regulatory? Yeah, this is a very important and uh, imperative question. Um, you know, uh, in June 2019, uh, FASHAF, the uh, global anti-money laundering control body, came up with a set of guidelines, uh, 72 articles of guidelines that are uh, being enforced right now uh, among its member countries to call for fast uh, virtual assets service providers to comply with its own uh, 72 articles of guidelines, which means that all cryptocurrency operators will come under control uh, vis-a-vis with the uh, um, uh, anti-money laundering control. And this is coming down from FedHub, which is a global body on anti-money laundering control, and which means that countries such as U.S. and other uh, big countries like uh, G7 countries are likely to follow suit. And so I would say that um, for crypto operators, if you were to develop a long-term strategy, uh, try to uh, start from the, the day one, try to look for the most um, strict standard that you can uh, implement on your own platform and services, and then make it a make the bar real high, and make sure that you develop such a strong practice that when this type of a governing body uh, strikes, that you are ready for that. And I would also say that um, you want to boost up your compliance uh, uh, department and making sure that your system is secure, that is robust and uh, free from hack, you know, hackers attack and all, all these other sort of uh, uh, malfunction during a technical um, um, uh, difficulties. So uh, I, my advice to the, uh, to the crypto operators is to imagine that the window uh, is closed like yesterday and it work your butt off to build the strongest compliance team, cybersecurity team, and make sure that you are ready when the uh, 
when the strikes are 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 are, are here at your door. Got it, Jason. I guess Jonathan, you may have somewhat different view. Um, what, what's your thought on that? Um, you you said there will be some windows. Um, well, I do think that the the arbitrage angle won't disappear unless uh, countries are in sync on crypto regulations and what the requirements are, right? I think that we're on the first right step with uh, global messaging standards being uh, defined that helps with the implementation of the travel rule. But it still requires governments around the world to come together um, and maybe form an international organization that requires regulating uh, cryptocurrencies. But, you know, um, something that can be adopted by, uh, by basically applying pressure onto um, countries which are less, uh, less stringent on these regulations, similar to how the requirement of uh, economic substance is required for tax haven countries. Uh, this could slowly start to gradually eliminate this arbitrage. So I guess, uh, let me, um, please go ahead, Jason. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with Jonathan, and I still feel like this is going to happen uh, in the near future. But uh, even though the world is sort of, you know, uh, on the pause with the COVID-19, but I, I do believe when the economy uh, reopens and countries reopen, uh, this will be something that uh, all the countries must uh, act together to figure it out. Got it. Oh, I think we just got two more minutes and let me, if I were to ask the final question for your final thoughts, um, say, so this, this like crypto industry is just a totally different, like not totally, but somewhat different from uh, other financial services or securities industry. Uh, if it's it's diff more difficult to enforce a, a regulation upon players, um, if if there would be something that's different, like new normal, uh, that are born out of this regulatory arbitrage opportunity globally, what do you think would would, would be uh, for for our industry? Well, well, I think we need a global platform and almost a new type of uh, global, you know, um, uh, World Bank type of organization for the crypto industry. And that is really thinking from the point of view of the technology and the how this type of a decentralized platform can benefit the, those who are in need. And so it really depends on regulators in the countries to open their minds and to bring in discussions with the operators. Uh, I do think this is a time for the operators and uh, regulators to work together and in a way that's educational, then that's uh, far-reaching and that's uh, selfless. And so it's important that we, we look at this in a way that will be long-term sustaining for the humanity and for technology to be implement to in the hands of those who are in need. I see. Uh, how about you, Jonathan? Uh, well, I do think that crypto services not relating, not relating to uh, securities law are more likely to change. So you've got businesses such as uh, trusts, custody, exchanges, brokerages, um, advisory, everything that involves crypto are more likely to adapt and evolve with regulation. Um, the clock has started ticking, and it's in Asia. I think it's good to see countries like um, 
um, Singapore, Japan, staying ahead of the curve uh, and casting a very wide net with the uh, Payment Services Act. Yeah, uh, maybe just one last uh, piece of uh, uh, a point. Um, I, I think that crypto is here to define what digital asset is, and it's also defining how data is being valued. And so governments, particularly those who are thinking about future, should really pay attention to this type of uh, um, uh, newly developed platform and uh, making sure that digital property and digital rights are are also uh, being uh, valued and in a way that would be sustainable and uh, not treated as a traditional type of uh, uh, financial assets. Got it, got it. Um, I wish we could have more time, but um, I guess the time's up. And uh, well, thanks, thanks for your insight. Thank you for thanks joining. for participating. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. You've been listening to Crypto Talks from Coindesk. For new short daily episodes, you can subscribe with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. This session featured Jason Shi, Jonathan Luong, Jun Hang Lee, and Chae Wan Pak. It was recorded live during Consensus Distributed 2020.